Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today turns focus back to the emerging markets as we will explore the implications of Fed policy, discuss a performance outlook, how to think about positioning within the asset class, and more. Uh, joining us here for the conversation today, uh, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So, Alejo, welcome back. I know this is our first conversation here in the new year. Hope everything has gotten off to a good start and looking forward to catching up with you today. Dan, good morning. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. And I also hope you had a great start of the year. Thank you, Alejo. Appreciate it. So you think about the market environment, though, maybe to set the stage over the past four weeks on a global scale, it has been fairly volatile. So maybe to take inventory here, Alejo, can you speak to, from your vantage point, uh, the drivers behind this spike in volatility we've witnessed, in particular throughout the month of January? Definitely. Look, in, in our analysis, Dan, there are two main drivers behind the spike of uh, in volatility of the last few weeks. First and foremost, we have um, changes in uh, the way the U.S. Federal Reserve is communicating. It will conduct monetary policy in in coming months. And uh, second, uh, a a bit less relevant, but still quite important, we're seeing mounting tensions uh, between Russia, Ukraine, and and the West in terms of uh, threats of invasion, and um, diplomatic uh, uh, diplomatic steps in the direction of trying to, um, you know, uh, decrease tensions in, in, in this area. Uh, focusing on the Fed, uh, the Fed's policy pivot has been really nothing short of remarkable in, in recent weeks. As recently as last October, Fed officials were signaling a gradual end to quantitative easing throughout 2022, and the possibility of starting to debate interest rate increases with actual hikes beginning no earlier than 2023. Now, take uh, Jay Powell's press conference from last week, and this has cemented a much more hawkish outlook. Quantitative easing is coming to an end by end by, by the early March. A first interest rate increase since all but guaranteed later that same month. And three to four additional quarter point hikes will likely follow in 2022. And as if this were not enough, uh, we will likely see the initiation of the reduction of the Fed's balance sheet size later this year. So uh, when we put all of this together, then the reality is that the uh, availability of liquidity will become a lot less generous in in coming months as a result and i think this um has led you know to to some some repricing uh situations in the market uh, that is trying to digest this, this new reality
That was a very helpful backdrop. Maybe we can run with the Fed a bit further because the Fed has, of course, been top of mind for investors, the markets, and you alluded to this, though we did hear about uh, that hawkish policy statement last Wednesday that was followed up by a seemingly even more hawkish-sounding Chairman Powell uh, during the press conference. So, Alejo, to dive a bit deeper, what do you think the impact of the Fed's changing policy will be on the emerging markets? Certainly, Dan. Look, uh, emerging markets look set to face an environment of much less generous global financial conditions. And in this regard, history offers a few lessons of what this means for their asset markets. Uh, in and of itself, Fed tightening has been unequivocally bad news for emerging market assets when you look at the sensitivity to changes, for instance, in two-year U.S. Treasury rates. Uh, this has been negative throughout the last two Fed tightening cycle, cycles vis-a-vis emerging market assets. We're looking at the tightening cycle of 2004 and that of 2016. But at the same time, changing Fed policy should not be analyzed in a vacuum. And it hasn't historically been an unsurmountable challenge for emerging markets. Emerging market assets have not only exhibited positive total returns throughout the last two Fed hiking cycles, but often delivered positive excess returns over U.S. assets uh, in this environment. So in addition, if, if, we, if we have a, a forward-looking tilt, right, we see a, a number of reasons why emerging markets can power through this tightening cycles. Number one. The Fed is tightening into a fairly strong growth environment. When we analyze the, the U.S. And, and global economic recoveries, they look fairly solid to us and self-sustaining at the moment. Um, and when you look at a combination of macroeconomic indicators from the emerging markets, they're printing at decent levels. This includes exports, imports, retail sales, industrial production. Number two, emerging economies have relatively low external financing needs. When you look at gauges such as uh, the current account of a particular country, this helps us understand how dependent a country is to external financing. And today, aggregate current account positions in the emerging world remain balanced, illustrating that most countries are living within their means and are not as dependent on external capital as they've been uh, at times in the past. Number three, then, we've got commodity prices in a sweet spot. Many emerging economies are still exposed to swings in commodity prices, and today's pricing conditions allow exporters to benefit without meaningfully hurting importers. Number four, China is moving against the grain while most of the world is tightening monetary and fiscal policy. China is easing monetary and fiscal policy. And as we all know, China's weight and relevance to emerging markets continues to, to grow. And fifth and last, then, valuations are relatively undemanding. By and large, when you look at emerging market equities, bonds, and currencies, they offer competitive valuations relative to their own history, and even more so relative to U.S. and other developed market assets. So if I could sum it up for you, Dan, um, 
yes, Fed tightening is a clear headwind to emerging markets. However, when you put a broader set of conditions into perspective, uh, and particularly looking ahead, there are reasons to believe why emerging market assets can power through this, this cycle. So with those factors in mind and that perspective in mind, the question becomes, like, well, what does this all mean for the performance of emerging markets moving forward? What are your thoughts there? Starting with the equity space, um, when we run our combination of top-down and bottom-up analysis, we conclude that um, earnings growth in emerging markets should come in the high single-digit uh, uh, range for 2022 with respect to 2021. So this should be a nice uh, fundamental support for the asset class. And if you add to that the possibility of some modest re-rating of price-to-earnings ratios in the emerging markets space from uh, the relatively depressed level that they enjoy today, we conclude that uh, in a baseline scenario, emerging market stocks should deliver mid-teens total returns through the end of the year. Now, within emerging market equities, we like select earnings growth leaders such as the internet and e-commerce space as well as environmental, social, and governance leaders. Moving on to fixed income, Dan, um, bond yields look likely to, change, to, to trade range-bound in coming quarters in the emerging world, offering investors a decent income opportunity in a space that, as you know, we think will remain relatively challenged. I'm talking about broader global fixed income. So when you look at the yield that emerging market sovereign bonds in U.S. dollars offer on average 5.7%, once again, in U.S. dollars, or the average yield that uh, emerging market corporate bonds in U.S. dollars um, offer, 4.8% at the moment. This is not bad and allow income-oriented investors to um, you know, pick up some, some interesting, interesting yield and diversify their their uh, their allocations. Of course, there are more specific there's there's more specific value in select sub segments of the asset class. Um, but at the at the broader level, this is what we're seeing. Alejo, thank you for walking us through those performance expectations, sharing with us those preferences. Perhaps a good place to end on. Uh, we can touch on risks that emerging market investors need to consider in this context. What can you share with us there? As you know. We've had a pretty convoluted start of the year, which is, of course, a good reminder that risks abound, right? Uh, something we're tracking very closely is the evolution of U.S. inflationary pressures, since should this fail to moderate, uh, they would force the Fed into raising rates uh, more aggressively, maybe at every meeting this year, or possibly in a 50 basis point increment uh, pace, right? And so if this were to be the case, I think global markets, and of course, this includes emerging market assets, would find it a lot more difficult to digest 
and looks have to suffer further. So the evolution of US inflation is key here. In addition, I briefly highlighted at the beginning of our conversation the outlook for Russia-Ukraine tensions. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. We think uh, Russia, Europe, and the US have incentives to walk down a diplomatic solution because the alternative to a diplomatic solution would impose significant costs on every party involved. We're talking about sizable economic and political costs on Russia, Europe, and the US. Therefore, uh, we maintain a business scenario of um, tensions being brought down through conversations. Um, this might take a bit, a bit of time. And of course, uh, history shows that miscalculations, uh, spikes in geopolitical tensions can occur, and uh, one needs to be prepared for this, uh, either through a number of portfolio hedges or recognizing that historically these situations have hit markets, but in a relatively short-lived manner. So something to follow very closely, Dan, has to do with the geopolitical sphere as well. Alejo, to your point, there is a lot here that we can look forward to following up on as the year progresses, though. Thank you for dropping by top of the morning today, Alejo, to walk us through your current thinking with respect to emerging markets, how to consider positioning within this space and uh, setting that backdrop coming off what was a very volatile uh, start of the year. So looking forward to catching back up again with you soon, Alejo. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. And for listeners who are interested in more detail, we published earlier this week the monthly investing in emerging markets report titled Powering Through, uh, which is available uh, to, to our clients. And, and please do reach out to your financial advisor for more information. Thank you, Alejo. Yeah, to stress that point, the investing in emerging markets flagship, again, that title, Powering Through, which ties right into the conversation that Alejo and I just had, is available up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. So for clients of UBS, we strongly encourage you to contact your financial advisor if you have any questions uh, based off what you've heard today on today's podcast, or if you you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Uh, though again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Atop of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways 
and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.